Psalm number 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Father, we ask you that you would take what is to be said tonight and that you would wing it to our hearts. You know as our faces differ, so do our needs. And so we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus, that you would have your own way. May thy spirit touch our hearts, illuminate us, enlighten us, Lord, and strengthen us. We pray, O God, that you would even convince us and convict us. And Lord, as you see fit to do, will you do? Bless those who can't be with us tonight. Bless those who are unwell. Bless those who are tender after bereavement and have just been put into mourning this last couple of days. We ask you, God, that you would minister to their hearts and into their lives. And Father, when all is said and done, will you be glorified and may your church be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I didn't know that Billy had picked there shall be showers of blessing. I didn't know that Billy was going to sing that, that there's blessing. Even the fifth verse, to sing it a couple of times, you know. And that blessing of the Lord is what you and I as believers have in our salvation. But there's a further station. There's a further way to go. There's a deeper walk with Christ. For example, even here you can see the difference between the godly and the ungodly. The godly are in the first three verses. The ungodly are mentioned in the last three verses. The blessed man, notice, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I wonder sometimes what counsel we are taking. Whose counsel do we listen to? Everyone even that says the, that they are Christian, everyone who professes Christ may not possess Christ. And it doesn't mean to say that their counsel is godly either. The only way we can measure godly counsel is when it is in this book, is when it is in the Word of God. If I'm right... If I'm right, there are six blesseds that six psalms start with. 
right at the beginning. Six blessings. We'll maybe get a look at them briefly. And the last one is not about the man or the woman in Christ, but the last one is about Christ himself. So everything, every blessing that we have is to glorify Christ. Every blessing in your life and mine is to exalt Christ. That at the end of our blessedness from Christ, he will be lifted up and he will be glorified. Notice Psalm 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. We don't walk in ungodliness nor their counsel. Nor stand in the way of sinners. Nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Now, sometimes the language of the King James Bible, we need to just look a little deeper at it. Because here it is to stand, nor standeth in the way of sinners. doesn't mean we're standing in their way. It means the way which they go. Where they stand, that we stand with them. And that's the problem with many, uh, even Christians in church who do profess Christ. Because they want to stand alongside the world and be liked and loved by the world. They also want the, they want the world to like them and to love them. Brothers and sisters, we are not to expect the world to love us. If we are truly standing in the Lord and for his word, the world will hate us. The world will be against you. And unfortunately, many are standing in their way. Many Christians are standing in the way, meaning they're standing beside them for their ungodliness. Standing beside them to okay. Even to advocate their ways of life. But the true believer, the true follower of Christ, will not stand with them in their sin, but rather stand in Christ and his righteousness according to his word. And so we see the blessed man walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, does not stand in the way of the sinner, nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. If you look at this, this is a degrading verse We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are sons and daughters of God. We are blessed in Christ. But notice, blessed is the man who walketh not. But when we walk according to the counsel of the ungodly, then the next one is we're standing with sinners. And then the next one is we're sitting with them. The seat of the scornful. In other words, we are starting to be pulled down, to be degraded from our faith in Christ. And that brings us right down to a base level. Now, the blessed man and the blessed woman are those who do not do these things. Right at the beginning of the verse, right at the beginning of the psalm, the very first word, blessed is the man who, and gives us these. Notice what it says in verse 2. Here is your delight in mind, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. 
Here's how our blessedness comes. And let's be honest, how many of us, how many of us have struggled with worries, with anxieties, with problems, with troubles, with fears? How many of us have sat and mulled over it and mused on it and the fire burned, as David said, while he might muse, the fire burned started to consume us and burn us up. How many of us have done that at some point? I would say all of us, if we're honest. But when we meditate in the law of the Lord day and night, when we come to the Lord, when we get into God's word, when we sit with him, walk in his counsel, and when we stand beside or along with Christ, That's where our blessed times are. That's where our blessedness is. Maybe tonight even you thought, I'm going to have to get out and it's getting dark. The nights are getting darker now, earlier. and Tired maybe after work or the day I've had. I've had a rough day. But you've pushed on. You've pressed on to get out. Have to get out. But sure, the blessing's here, isn't it? The blessing is being with brothers and sisters like-minded in Christ who love Jesus and want to serve him and go on with him. Yes, we're depleted more than usual because of things that's happened and because of people away and because of people working and, and because of people maybe not well at home. Yes, but look, you're here and where two or three are gathered together, he says, there am I in the midst of them. So I believe Jesus is here. I believe as soon as we gathered together, he wasn't here in the tents anyway. He said, I hope they come and don't leave me on my own. <laughs> he came with you, in you. The temple that is being built, the third temple, we are it. Paul says, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, the naos of God. And that he dwells in you. So when we come together, it's like stones being built together. We're fitly framed in all our places. And even though we might be spread out a bit, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Christ is here. And we must take that on board and believe it. Or we could just mark a card tonight and say, I made it, I pressed on, we get out. I made it. There's a blessing when you abandon self. There's a blessing when you abandon self. What do I mean by that? There's a blessing when all of those things we have left behind us to come here, even the tiredness we have with us to be here, that when we say it doesn't matter about those things, but what matters is that I'm here to meet with Jesus. I'm here tonight to meet with him. And there is the blessing. There's your blessing. There's your answer. There's your strength. Notice this in verse 3. Here's what you're like. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Wow. We should read that again. We should read that again. 
Lord, we're going to go out on mission. By the way, I'm going to come to you about that some week soon. Trying to get places to go out on mission. Let's read it again. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Representing what? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the river of water. The river of life in the book of Revelation. And there's the tree of life. You know, all of these things are represented here. And that gives the idea of you and I in Christ and the Spirit of God in us. And when we are meditating on him, walking with him, standing by him, in a world of darkness, sitting with him, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does it tell us then? It tells us that's where our blessing is. Why the wind's gathered up, hasn't it? Don't worry, this tent's safe. Reminds me of Acts chapter 2, and there's a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Is that right? And there were cloven tongues like as a fire sat in the head of them all. 120 in the upper room, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Send the blessing, Lord. <laughs> you want blessed? You want to be blessed? There's blessing here. Some people come with their burden and that's fine. We, we need to pray for you. That's fine. That's, we, we can do that. But sometimes they come with their burden and stir at the floor. If not, some are so centralized on themselves and their feeling, they start gazing at their own navel half the night. But when we release everything and abandon it on ourselves to God, there he commands a blessing. Commands the blessing. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Do you know we all go through seasons? Every one of us. Even the Holy Ghost filled man and woman, we all go through seasons. Some of us have come through a season of not feeling too well. It's been a season. Some will go through a season of mourning and some will go through different seasons. The scriptures tell us to everything, to everything, everything in your life. In other words, you're not staying there. Things are going to change. It's not going to be like that forever. To everything, all but my, no. To everything, all but the way I, no. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose where? Under the heaven. Now, last I looked, we're still under the heaven. And there is a time to be born. And there is a time to die. But all of us are in seasonal. Your season is different than mine and mine than yours and yours than the next person's and so on. But whatever season that is, here is where your blessing is. It's in the law of the Lord. It is in the gospel of Christ. It is in reading the scriptures. It is getting into his presence, fellowshipping with the saints. And is worshipping him, abandoning self, saying, Lord, I, I place everything into your hands, into your care, into your keeping. 
knowing that you are a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. And it's a season you're traveling through. It's like you're traveling through the valley of Baca, which is the valley of tears somewhere. It's a place where it's hard and it's difficult. But you're here tonight. And you know, the flesh, maybe even the ungodly, could have told you to stay away. Could have told you to, ah, sure, we'll do another day. But you're here. You pressed on. We're here together. And you're blessed when we get into the word of God, when we worship him and into the place with Christ. Look at the ungodly for a second. Straightforward in verse 4. The ungodly are not so. We'll say it again. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Do you see, they used to cut down, whether it was corn or barley or wheat or whatever it was, and they brought it to a threshing floor. And they used to get the bundles of it and the sheaves of it and beat it on the floor. Beat it like with a stick. Beat it and beat it. And everything fell on the floor. They threw away the stalk. But in among all of that on the threshing floor, there was real kernel of corn, wheat or whatever. And it was all over the floor. But with that, there may have been that which was not real. Known as bastard wheat illegitimate wheat and when it's in the field it looks the same it stands up in the field and it may even blow a bit with the wind but do you see as it gets higher and higher the true wheat bends over as if it's bowing as if it's nearly worshipping its creator but it doesn't break because the whole way up it you'll see the knots in the stalk Knots up the stock. And I'm told those knots are there because they are seasons in the growth of the wheat. And those seasons are marked by these knots. You know what it does? It strengthens the wheat. It strengthens it that when it gets to the top, and because it's real, because it's good wheat, it's heavy and hence it bows over at the top but doesn't break because of the knots in the, in the actual stock of it. But the illegitimate wheat is light, it's empty, it has nothing, and it looks very similar. And it doesn't really bend over, and it breaks easy because there's no knots in the stock of it. You see, when they get this and they beat it and the corn's there, it's mixed with all different bits of debris. And the false corn is there, the kernels, and the real corn. And here's what they used to do. They got a big fan and they waved it across the top of it, one side to the other. And the lighter stuff was that which was not true kernel or corn of wheat. And it blew all the chaff out in a circular motion. Blew it all out to the outside. And they just sweeped all that away. Then gathered up into the garner. 
the true wheat. That's why John the Baptist said of the Lord Jesus that there would be one coming after him whose fan is in his heart and he will gather his wheat into his barn or his garner. Christ came across Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, Galilee with the fan of his gospel. And there were those who rejected him and they were blew out as it were to the side, but there were those who believed and he gathers up his own. He gathers them up. Hence when a man and a woman are walking with the Savior, the Holy Spirit with you and in you, he can help you. He helps you not only to see what's real, discerning of spirits and what's false, but he helps you to stand up. He helps you to grow deep root and he makes you into real corn. Here is the wind that drives it away. The un- therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment. That doesn't mean to say they get off from judgment. That means they can't, they, they haven't a leg to stand on. That's what it means. They will stand in judgment. That means they have, there's no righteousness. They have no hope. That's what it means. They will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. We're talking about kingdom age. We're talking about thy kingdom come age. Were these ungodly who knew not Christ, who have not trusted in him, who knew not the Spirit, either the rivers of living water or the wind of the Spirit, don't know the word of God, they're not going to be able to be in the congregation. See the congregation in Israel in the Old Testament? Congregation in the Old Testament, if you want, can be likened even onto the church today. There were those who would have come with their sacrifice. But today we have a sacrifice in Christ. And hence, we're called out. There were those who wanted to stay at home and chose to do so. And so when we look at this, the congregation of the righteous is you and I in the righteousness of Christ In his kingdom age, the ungodly won't be there. No more trials and no more temptation. There'll be no more scorning from the ungodly. But rather, we will all be of one mind, of one heart, and one spirit. And every one of us will be the blessed of the Lord. I'm looking forward to that day. I wish he had come now. I do. I wish he had just come right now. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. He knows you and I inside out and back to front. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. And that is damning. That is fearful. Scary for them. 
So here the blessed man of the Psalms is in the very first line. The blessed woman, you and I, when we go this way. It's very easy with social media today, with all those avenues and with uh, everything on the airwaves and the radio and the TV and internet and all of that sort of stuff. Even newspapers, if you read them, I don't read them, but you know, all of those things. It's, it's, it's so easy to be pulled down and even to hide your light under a bushel. Stick it under the bed and pull the clothes down behind it so there's only a dim glow at the most. It's too easy because you can get very, very, very easily you can be discouraged. Everybody seems to be against the Christian. Now again, Christians from here were arrested just yesterday, the day before, I think it was, in Dundalk, preaching the gospel again. They're bringing Christians to court all over the land for different things. And even those who stood for Christian values and godly morals, even those who said that they would stand no matter what and stand for the word of God in political parties, have bowed the knee, have capitulated to every ungodly rule to every ungodly law that's been enacted now. And they have not only capitulated to that, what they've actually done is now they're facilitating, facilitating it. Let me just for a couple of moments before we close this, turn me to Psalm 54, please. Hmm. Sorry, 41. Pardon me, my eyesight's going. Okay, so Psalm 1 and verse 1 is your first blessed. Your second one is in Psalm 41. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in a time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him. And keep him alive. And he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. Now, blessed is he that considereth the poor. We can see Christ right through this. But here we see the body of Christ. Those who are following Christ. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. Does that mean, ah, dear, love them, the poor? No. It means those poor, first of all, in spirit. The Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, blessed are the poor in spirit. He didn't say the poor spirited, by the way, where you have to be so mild and meek that you're a pushover and everything. He didn't say that. He says the poor in spirit, and it gives the idea of those of humility. There's a big difference between meekness and weakness. And meekness and weakness can be 
and is on many occasions mistaken. It says Moses was the meekest man in the earth. You think Moses was weak? <laughs> Moses would have cut your head off if you had looked at him the wrong way. Moses is that man of the law of Sinai. Moses is the man who, who brought all the sons of Korah along because they were dissenters against his anointed appointed leadership. And called him the Lord and he opened up the ground and swallowed them. And yet he was the meekest man. It's the relationship before God and with God. That's it. Tender, tender before him. Softly before him, but having that ability, let me change that word, having that knowledge that you can come boldly, not irreverently, but boldly, it means with assurance in your heart that he's your father who loves you. He's your father who keeps you. He's your father who supplies you, provides for you. He's your father who calls you child, my son, my daughter. Meekness is coming, first of all, from a walk with Christ. It's not weakness. And if you want to look at someone who was meek, even above and beyond Moses, but was never weak, take another look at your Savior. Take another look at Jesus. But blessed is the man that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in a time of trouble. See, meekness before God, being meek before God will make you strong before men. I'm never more confident in what I've got to do than when I come out from the place of prayer. Sometimes I let my head run away with myself, you know. It's a bit Irish there, wasn't it? Sometimes my mind would have, it's like Moses with the Lord at the burning bush. If you send me to them, they're going to say this and I'm going to have to say that. But what will they say, Lord? And he has a fight in his head before he even gets there. It's not true. But when you step into that place of meekness before him, you step into that closet or you go on that walk where there's just you and him. It's just you and him. Well, see, when I do that, I feel like David, by my God, have I run through a troop. And by my God, have I leaped over a wall. He even says, by my God, I could bend a bow of steel in my hands. Eh? That's how David felt when he was close in his meekness to God. Sometimes after preaching the word or doing preaching the word, I feel like I could jump over this pulpit. I know I couldn't like physically, but that's how I feel. That's how I think. Running through the troop, leaping over a wall. So if you want to look at meekness, you can look at Christ and the Lord will deliver him in a time of trouble. Deliver her. The Lord will deliver you in the time. We must realize that we are, first of all, 
poor in spirit, realizing our fullness of our need, the totality of all we need is in Christ. Psalm 119. Please. Psalm 119 and verse 1 again. Here's your blessed. It's similar to the the first one. Blessed are the undefiled. Notice blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. With the whole heart. Half-hearted Christianity is no good, brothers and sisters. A half-hearted service does no good. Being half-hearted in the things of God will get you nowhere. But here the blessed are the undefiled. And listen, when the Lord looks at us, we're righteous in Christ, aren't we? So now we must walk in sanctification. We're saved, but we must walk in sanctification. The undefiled walk in our lives before him. And yes, when we fail, and yes, when we falter, and yes, when we fall, we bring it to him. We claim the blood. And we get up and go on. Get up and go on. Who feels the Lord in here? I put my two hands up. We all do. And the rest of you are liars. So. <laughs> Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. By the way, just to, as a wee sidelight here, every, in Psalm 119, there are what's known as 22 stanzas, okay? 22 stanzas. And in those 22 stanzas, each one of them have eight verses each. Now, I'll tell you why I'm telling you this. Because people tend to skip Psalm 119 because of its 176 verses. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said that Psalm 119 was like an island which was a complete jewel in the midst of the sea of the Psalms. And if you read Psalm 119, you'll read eight verses, and then it breaks eight for 22 times because of 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. There's 22 letters, so 22 stanzas. There's eight of them, 176 verses. They also have what's known as a pictograph. The pictograph is a, a picture way before what they used way before they had even a language. You know, the, the, for example, the, the Egyptians had uh, uh, hieroglyphics. So, for example, see, see the, the, the start of this. You'll see it in Psalm 119, the start of it, it's the Aleph. It's the same as Alpha. When Jesus is on the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the ending of the Greek, Here the Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, but it also has a pictograph. Now, it won't be in your Bible, 
But it would actually be like a little ox head, an ox's head. And it gives the idea of strength. In the pictograph, it means strength. And it's the word that's used for father. Father. So it means strength and it means power. So the word Aleph, uh, the, the shortened version is Av or Father. Our Father. See the next one. Beth, verse 9. Beth. As in Bethlehem, house of bread and so on. So there's a little, what looks like a little house in the pictograph in the ancient Hebrew. It's a little house, like like a picture of it. And when they're put together, you have the Aleph and the Beth, or the alphabet from goes into the Greek. That's the Aleph and the Beth. And the word here, Beth, or pardon me, the symbol here, the pictograph is a house. So when the two of them, the first one, the Aleph and the Beth is put together, it means strength to be had in our father's house. Just by the pictograph. They could read that. And so we find that the blessing here, blessed are the undefiled, blessed are they that keep his commandments. And by the time you get into Beth, you're going down and you're starting to get into the word of God. Read Psalm 119. And every time the psalmist mentions, thy word, thy word, thy word, underline it. Because it's there's the blessing in the Father's house. The blessing or the strength is in our Father's house. Tremendous, isn't it? Maybe take it through some of those sometime and maybe do a PowerPoint if we can get maybe annoy Andrew to, to get it up for us sometime and will teach us a little bit more of those. For example, just while we're here, see the word, go on down to verse 33. You'll see the word he. In the pictograph, it's a little stick man. They drew a little stick man. And it means, look, behold. Look at him. We have our father's house. By the time we come here, we have, look and behold, at the man. If you go to the next one, verse 41, you have the word var. And this would be in the tetragrammaton or the YHWH or the, with the name, the shortened version of Yahweh. Yehu Vahu is the, is the Hebrew for this. So this word va, it actually, the pictograph is a, a tent peg or a nail. A tent peg or a nail. Now, when you go to Kaf in verse 81, it gives the idea an open palm of the hand. But when you go to the one before that, it's the word yod. Yod he vahe is in the Hebrew, Y-H-W-H in our English. And that means it, it's, it's a little hand or a little arm, just like this. And it means hand, arm, does the work of the deed. And by the time we get to Right through all this, the, the, the verse 169 to 176, the very last stanza of eight verses, verse 169 of it, we have the word ta. 
and it is the mark of the sign of a cross. So when we put the name of God together in Psalm 119, you know what it says? Behold the man whose hand is born on the cross. All in pictograph. It's tremendous. In the, in the very alphabet. The very alphabet. From the father to the man that comes, spreads out his hands, and the ten peg, the yorhe uvahe, is nailed. The ten peg is, he's nailed to the tree. I don't want to tax you any more on that because this was just to be a late Bible study. Go to Psalm 128. We're going to come to a close. Thank you for your attention. Verse 1. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. You see the theme of this about walking with the Lord? You want to be blessed? Walk with the Lord. You want to be blessed? Get into his word. You want to be blessed? Get into study. Get in and read. Get into fellowship. You want to be blessed? Do his word. Not hearers only, but doers. If you read the little title above that, A Song of Degrees, okay? A Song of Degrees from Psalm 120. The whole way through, keep going right through, and you'll see to Psalm 134, Song of Degrees, A Song of Degrees, A Song of Degrees. You know that was? That was the priests who were going up at Passover. And through the feasts in Israel. And they were actually walking up the temple. And they were singing songs of degrees up to the next level. Song of degrees to the next level. Going up, as it were, to Zion. Going up, as it were, to the temple. Song of degrees. Up again, the song of degrees. And that's where that was encompassed. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. Psalm 144, please. So all the other ones were the blessed man of the Psalms, how we're blessed. But we're blessed by him. And he's the blessed of us. Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war, my fingers to fight, my goodness and my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust who subdueth my people under me. So who is the blessed man of the Psalms? Is it us? We say man, let's say it generically as man and woman. Is it us? Yes, we're blessed. The real blessed man of the Psalms is Christ himself. Christ himself. He is the one. He's not only blessed of his father but we have the blessing of the father in heaven so Billy's going to lead us in a couple of songs aren't you Billy and what we'll do is we'll worship abandon everything for a moment and just worship him I know as our faces differ so do our needs and let's abandon him I believe in worship there's healing remember a woman came we were having a healing service praying for the sick and this woman came in. She, I didn't know that she was ill. She'd had bad uh, 
was it ME and fibromyalgia? And after the service, we kept, anyone else want praying for me? We're praying for people. Um, a few weeks later, I was walking through the village where we live. And this woman was walking around with you know, all this walking gear on, you know, the stretchy stuff. Alison was with me. And she was marching on. She stopped me. She was a Methodist woman. And she stopped me and she says, Look, I went, nice gear. <laughs> and, I, and she says, no, look. I hadn't a clue what she was talking about. I says, what do you mean? She says, I was at the service and I just felt maybe I shouldn't get up because I, you know, I'm a Methodist. <laughs> and I didn't get up for prayer and I says, Lord, I'm believing here tonight. Would you touch me? The Lord touched her and healed her there in the seat as she worshipped the Lord. The Lord touched her where she was. So let's worship. And let's pray.